Hi, and welcome. You are listening to Speeching It Real, a podcast where I interview speech language pathologists who are just starting out in the field, from undergrads who are interested in becoming SLPs to those who are currently practicing clinicians. We will cover it all, including current graduate students, people in clinical fellowship years, and everything in between. Here you can learn all about what it's like to get started, how paths change, and connect with people that are going through the same things you are. I'm your host, Christy Ubieta, and I'm currently a first-year grad student at CU Boulder. Quick disclaimer, all statements and opinions on this podcast are not reflections of the organizations or schools associated with the speakers. Each person's words reflect their own opinions, including my own. Hey guys, today we are going to be joined by Katya, aka the designer of our Instagram logo. She is a multilingual MASLP student at CU Boulder. She's in my cohort. She's passionate about diversity, equitable services, and hopes to go on to work with children. She's also a creator of SLP merch and has an SLP Instagram account, which is going to be linked below in the show notes. So let's just jump right into the episode. Hey guys, and welcome back to Speeching It Real. I am here with Katya. She is in my cohort. We are just starting out our second year of graduate school. So Katya, hello. Hi, Christy. I'm super excited to be here. It's been so awesome watching your podcast grow and kind of get created and see all the awesome guests that come by. I know. It's been a really crazy experience. Yeah. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. So my name is Katya again. I am from Colorado, born and raised. I am a Russian speaker. It's my native language and my first language. Um, I love languages. I also speak French and Italian and American Sign Language. I am kind of leaning towards working with children at the moment. I don't know what that means for me, but as I was writing some of my um, applications for scholarships, I kind of realized that I automatically started writing about children, so that's what I'm leaning towards. Um, I'm young for a cohort. I'm 22, um, so I'm part of that younger group, and I have a dog named Ollie, and he (laughs) is really my life right now, and I love yoga and art. Amazing. So you have all of these language backgrounds. Did that influence your decision to do speech language pathology? Absolutely. I actually accidentally stumbled upon speech language pathology. I knew I wanted to work with people with disabilities. um, And I was actually leaning towards occupational therapy. But while I was applying for undergrad, I kind of saw this program at CU called Speech Language Hearing Sciences, started looking into it. And I was like, wait, I really love languages. I like working people with disabilities, and that's kind of how I fell into it. And now being a bilingual um, provider is definitely a goal of mine. Totally. So how did you learn all of these languages? At what stages of your life? Okay. How did they impact you? <laughs> yeah. So um, Russian was my first language. It was all I received and spoke until I entered kindergarten. And once I entered kindergarten, I started learning English. And then once I entered middle school, I began learning French, and I took French from sixth grade through AP French in high school, my senior year, and I've been to Paris twice now. Um, I'd say I'm, like, proficient in it. I can can talk. I can listen to music. And then... (laughs) The music. That's important. Music is important. Um, And then I studied abroad in Italy, and that's where I learned Italian. 
I took a class, but also just like when you live in a place, you kind of need to learn the language. Mm -hmm. And then I took ASL one as part of my undergraduate courses and I loved it so much. And I feel like I still use it pretty often um, in some of my clinical placements, especially with children. Do you consider yourself a polyglot? I would consider myself a polyglot. I think the more languages I learn, the easier it becomes. I think learning a language with different like characters would be really difficult. Like like Hebrew is one I want to learn, but it's like it's a whole new alphabet. Like the Mm. structure is completely different. Um, I mean, so is ASL in a way. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) I'd love to take more ASL classes. Um, A goal of mine would be to attend some of these like community speaking groups i know someone in our cohort does attend them for french emily and it's essentially we just go and you like chat with people in that language and i think that's something i would really need especially with some of the languages i don't speak as often that's cool i've been thinking a lot about asl too and i think it would be awesome to do it at like a community college level Mm -hmm. once i graduate just something I could do on the weekend. Right. There's actually, I think, a program in Colorado that does that. Where if I think it's for teachers or like SLPs and you can go and you do like a weekend of intensive ASL learning and kind of getting integrated into the community. But I agree. I think ASL is so important for art field. What is the next language you would really like to learn? I think Spanish. It is the one I totally regret not learning. I don't know why I went towards French when I was in middle school, but I was like, ooh, French, that's cool. It sounds so fancy. (laughs) Um, But now I think just living in Colorado, you know, and especially in our field, you realize how in need we are of Spanish speakers. And, you know, if I feel like if I would have continued taking Spanish from sixth grade up through 12th grade. I definitely could have been using that now. So I think Spanish is next and is definitely important because where where I live, there's going to be Spanish speakers. Yeah. And also there are so many places you could travel to oh with my Spanish gosh. in your pocket. Yes. <laughs> exactly. And you can just, I mean, my family goes to Mexico every summer, but or every winter, but we kind of just don't do that well there. <laughs> just slide by. We just kind of slide by. Yeah. I mean, some of us, we speak enough Spanish. You know, it's once you start knowing a lot of these languages, like you just kind of are able to pick up the smallest things and you can you can communicate. Love it. Let's move on a little bit into grad school. Yes. Actually, let's go pre-grad school. Okay. Okay. So you're heading into your second year of graduate school now, but let's take it back and let's think about what it was like applying to grad school. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for people who are applying? I think my advice to people applying to grad school is to do your research. Um, if you want a bilingual program, go to a school that has so many bilingual professors and has so many options for clinical placements. Um, I'll be completely honest, I didn't do that. That is a mistake on my part. And I mean, I still make do with what I have. But, you know, I've been doing most of the research on my own on whether I can even find Russian-speaking clients. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'll jump in really quick Mm -hmm. on that. So on the bilingual program, I've talked about it on an episode with Alyssa Marcellos. Feel free to go back and listen to it. But we talked about how there's schools that have multicultural emphasis versus bilingual emphasis. Mm -hmm. And those are really, really important things to look at when you're applying. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because if it is important to you, even again, if you're not a bilingual speaker, they do have that multicultural emphasis. And we are going to see 
multicultural clients at every single step at every level. It's only going to get more multicultural. Absolutely. So looking at what those emphasis are, and then if you are not in a program and while you're in that program, you realize that's an interest and a vision and something you want to keep working towards. There are a lot of CEUs available. Follow multicultural and bilingual SLPs online. Get that information out there. Look into it. Reach out to people who are doing that online and who are talking about it and see what their recommendations are to keep uplifting those voices and also to keep learning about them and just Mm -hmm. having an interest and engaging in learning. Oh, absolutely. And I think the internet and especially like Instagram is such a great source. I mean, people are creating very valuable resources for all languages. Um, I think there's this really cool book that you can use with um, for early intervention. It comes with this fancy little wand. I don't know how expensive it is, but as you read, you tap it and it translates it. So you can be having like an English-Spanish one. And it's like so amazing. I sent it to our clinical supervisor. And I think that's so amazing. Like that's there's so awesome. many cool resources. I know. We're going to need to find the name of that book and drop the link yes, down will, below. For sure. Thank you for that wonderful tool. Of course. That's awesome. I love that. Okay. You were going into another piece of advice, but I interrupted with oh, that multicultural oh bilingual. Oh, just kind of research. Like maybe you are already interested in being a school SLP or a medical SLP. And there are schools that are more targeted towards that. So just kind of doing your research, reach out to alumni, reach out to current students because they are going to be your greatest resource because they are the ones going through it. I think if someone reached out to me now, I would totally give them like the dirt about (laughs) like the in and outs of the program because we're going through it. You know, we really know what lacks, what is excelling and what changes are currently being made to improve it exactly which is a really important thing to think about too like Mm -hmm. when you're speaking with someone what are steps that they're taking to make improvements and is that something that they're focused on exactly like is it a receptive program to the students are they taking care of the students which i think is incredibly important definitely i completely agree with you how did you prepare yourself for grad school because i know you came straight from undergrad Mm -hmm. like immediately so what was that like for you to process and how was that like for you to get to the to get in the in the grad school mind? I honestly really tried to relax the summer before grad school. I think that's really important. I traveled around Europe. Um, I also reached out to my cohort, which I think is one of the most important things I did. Um, and we kind of created a little, you know, created a group chat. Everyone went out and got some beers. And I think Um, Starting that community before school starts is what made our cohort so close, which I think is such a great feeling to walk into class, to know every face, to know what people like, what they are like, and like who you can reach out to if you want to get into the pediatric swallowing. You know, you know who you can go for that. You know who you can go to for voice, which I think is great. You were talking about how you prepared for grad school when you, so you may, at the top, you mentioned that you are interested in working with kids. Mm-hmm. How has that changed? Like, did you think that when you first came through the door of CU? I think it's a very recent change. I, I still am very unsure. I mean, I think I still look back to some of my experience with adults and I'm like, I don't like I was good at that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I enjoyed that. But I think I've just gravitated towards children. And there's just like a special feeling when I'm working with kids um, that I get, and I, it's really hard to describe, but it's just a feeling of like, I know what I'm doing. And I feel like that's pretty rare in grad school that you're, that you feel like, you know what you're doing. Definitely. I, I don't feel that way. With children. <laughs> no, with anything. 
I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'll figure it out. <laughs> right. And I think that's also super important. Like, you're not going to know what you want to do. I'm still, I change my mind every day. I'm yeah. saying that today. I like to also think it's important when you're in grad school to recognize that you don't know everything mm -hmm. and that you're going to, you're going to finish your courses and you're going to get into your externships and you're not going to know things, but you're going to have the baseline and you're going to keep learning. And I think being really open to that learning. So yeah, it's I absolutely just going to make agree. us better. Yeah. I think we're not going to enter the field knowing what we're doing. And I think that is completely natural. And I think if we knew what we were doing right away, I think that'd make for a very boring experience. Definitely. So you said your interests have changed a little bit. Originally, you thought adults. Now you're thinking kiddos. Where did that shift come from? I think it came from my clinical experience. I, so I kind of, my background came with working with people with disabilities came from volunteering at a camp in Martha's Vineyard called Camp Jabberwocky. And so there, that's a camp for adults with disabilities starting at around 16 years old and going up through when they pass away. So it's really, really amazing. And that's who I was working with starting sophomore year of high school, going up through the summer before we entered grad school. And, you know, my first client was an adult and I liked it. Um... And then I did our early intervention toddler group. And I was like, oh, my God, my heart. <laughs> 100%. So Katya yes. and I were in that together. <laughs> Just the cutest little munchkins. <laughs> I know. They totally stole my heart, too. Absolutely. And then I think as you go through coursework, you kind of feel yourself naturally being more engaged with some things rather than others. And I think just really listening, it's literally just listening to your heart and your mind what makes you engaged, what makes you happy. Mm -hmm. And not being afraid of that reflection. Exactly. I think it's totally fine. I think I initially wanted to be in the hospital too. And then I didn't realize what the hospital even entailed. I was like, cool, I get to wear scrubs and like do speech and Arctic at the hospital. No. No. No, that is not a hospital. Mm -mm. No, and that's just, and that's part of grad school. It's learning what the setting is. And I'm so glad I learned. Because I am interested in that, but I'm interested in outpatient now. You know, I'm not interested in doing like the swallowing all day. I want to see clients. Yeah. And you can wear scrubs anywhere. You can wear scrubs. Including to bed because mm -hmm. they're so comfy. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> you said now your interests are with kiddos and potentially the outpatient setting. Mm -hmm. What are you looking forward to with your externships now that you've gotten mm. to apply to specific settings? Yes. So I'll let you know. So I do know where I'm going for my externships. My first placement will be at two schools. It's two K through eights. And then my other placement will be at a long-term acute care hospital. So very, very different. That's amazing. I'm very excited. Um, I'm really looking forward to learning. I did my SLPA internship before grad school. Um, so I think that's definitely prepared me for the school setting. I don't really feel nervous going into it, but I'm really excited to bring what I have now learned in grad school into it because I feel mm -hmm. like I've learned so much since I was an undergrad. Um, I'm really excited to see swallow studies in person, honestly. Like, oh I'm, my gosh, yes. I think that's going to be so cool. <laughs> They're so cool. Mm -hmm. Like I know we, I don't have a ton of experience, but like from what I've seen, right? I'm just in awe of how crazy they are. Yeah. And, and then how detailed and specific you can get i know and it's crazy because we're like we're learning it right now we're currently doing mb simp in the trenches with it yeah. <laughs> um and you know you slowly find yourself like oh i i understand what's happening it's such a fun feeling to be understanding what you're learning and being able to apply it i'm excited to apply what we've learned 
Definitely. So you're the first person I've talked to who's doing long-term rehab. Yes. So I just want to know what got you interested in applying yeah. there. Because I think that's such a cool setting and I, I see myself potentially doing that too. Yeah. So quite honestly, I was very scared by the internship process and I was honestly just so overwhelmed. I was like, I'm not going to pick the hardest things. And I regret it now. I regret not going for the hard thing. I regret not going for Anschutz. I regret not going for children's, but I'm so excited for the placement I got either way. I knew I wanted to do one placement with children, hence being out of school, and then one placement with adults because I think I'm going to figure out what I want to do while I'm in my internships. I, I think that's when I'll figure out the setting. Definitely. I want to dig a little bit into it if you're okay yeah, oh, with it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so why what would what were you hesitant about at first and then why do you have those regrets at this point yeah I think I was scared of the rejection and I was scared of competing with my classmates mm -hmm. I respect everyone in our class so much I respect how intelligent everyone is and it made me really scared to compete against everyone even though looking back I'm like I am a great student absolutely I'm like I have, like, I might be young. I think that's what throws me off a little bit. I'm like, I'm young. They're going to see me as young and inexperienced and not enough on my resume. So that's kind of where I held back. And I regret it now. But it's like, I still have a CF to go. I still have my entire life to try out every setting. I wasn't going to find the perfect placement that shows me everything there is to offer. And that's okay. I'm going to see what an LTAC is like. And then if I like it, I'll keep doing it. And if I don't, I won't. And I think that's the whole point of internships. Well, I think an LTAC's going to be so cool. Oh, it's going to be intense. <laughs> I know, but it's, it sounds so epic and I can't wait to chat about it yeah. after. But I'm really thankful for you for being open and talking about that with us. But also, I saw your resume. You have experiences. <laughs> you would have been a good, strong competitor. You probably would have gotten a couple of them. Yeah, so note to, no to past self is don't doubt yourself. That's what I was about to say. So the thing going into this is rejection is hard. But what I'm hearing from you is not trying might have been harder. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. I think everyone should risk it. I ended up doing that. Mm -hmm. I originally was so scared. I was like, I'm not going to apply to any of them. Mm -hmm. I don't even – I was lying to myself. I was like, I'm not even going to stay in Denver. Why would I apply to these super competitive ones here? And then I said, well, if I don't get it, that's a great reason not to stay here then. Exactly. Maybe I let them reject me. <laughs> yeah, if it's meant to be, it'll happen. Mm -hmm. And honestly, like, yes, it's meant, if it's meant to be, it'll happen. But also, like, you're, control, you're in control of what you do after. You're in control of where you apply to your CF. You're in control of where you apply afterwards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's get into grad school. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for people who are starting their first semester? Find something that brings you joy. Reading all the time in your textbook will not bring you joy um, unless you are the rare person that it does. But like for me, like I found yoga. Love it. I found art again. I used to do art all the time and now I'm back into it. I think find a great friend group. Mm -hmm. And, you know, none of these things, as you've noticed, have to do with how to be the best student ever. But like, you know, I feel like both of us have pretty solid friend groups and that's kind of what's gotten us 
through grad school. It is who I text when I'm like, I do not understand this assignment. It's who I complain to when I mm-hmm. just can't stand something going on in a class. Um, but that friend group's really gotten me through. Definitely. I also think you mentioned not, you know, suffocating yourself in your textbooks. No matter how many times I think I hear it or no matter how many times I say it to somebody, you're going to treat your first year by drowning yourself in school. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, your first semester. Your first semester is going to be you're just throwing yourself all in. You don't feel like you have time for anything. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that that experience kind of needs to happen Mm -hmm. in a way. But still giving yourself – Exactly. Still give yourself time. But, like, the best way to learn is to recognize that it doesn't actually benefit you. Mm -hmm. And I hope – some people can just listen to us. Absolutely. Oh, I I hope that works. <laughs> <laughs> but it almost never does. No, you, you're right. You almost have to go through that to find that balance. And I think the same thing is going to happen to us when we start our internships. The same thing is going to happen to us when we start our CFs. We are going to go so headfirst into it, mm-hmm. especially knowing both of us. You know, we're both very like headstrong, want to be the best, mm-hmm. that we're going to give 110% and forget to live. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That but don't right. forget, you are... You are not a student first. You're human first. And you need to survive. And you cannot survive by only doing school. 100% true. <laughs> we tried. We did. We did. Our first semester. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we did our da- our darndest. <laughs> so now that we're starting our second year, we have maybe, what, four or five classes left? Mm-hmm. What was your favorite class that you took and why? Um, my favorite class so far has probably been speech sound disorders. Amazing professor, such an interesting topic. And I think the professor is what made the class what it was. I mean, if you looked at us in that class, everyone was so engaged and just laughing and having fun. And it's like a class that goes till 8 p.m., which is not what you'd expect. I really enjoyed that class. And I think that's where I also really began enjoying the idea of working with children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he made that class really awesome oh so fun mm-hmm. you couldn't be more engaged exactly was there a clinic that also really cemented itself for you i think that was our the clinic we did together it was the early intervention toddler group mm-hmm. um such an amazing group um and i got to work with a child who um, was like me like learning english as a second language which is kind of you know a special piece in my heart it was amazing to watch him grow and I really enjoyed the play-based aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I know not everyone loves like play-based intervention, but I loved that placement. And I actually just did a placement with a 15-year-old with dyslexia. I feel like it's a pretty atypical client for us, and I really enjoyed it. Um, so now I've I've worked with middle schoolers, I've worked with high schoolers, and I've worked with early intervention. I'm just missing that little um, elementary school. Mm, bit, which I'm right excited between. Yes. <laughs> which I'll get during internship. While you were in grad school, what is one of the things that you learned about yourself? I think I've learned that I'm not ever going to be the student that just like goes and relaxes like all the way. You know, in high school, I was like, oh, in college, I'm going to let go. I'm going to be okay with getting these and I'm, it's going to be fine. And that did not happen in undergrad. And now I did the same thing. And I just think I am at heart a hardworking person, very headstrong and driven. And I knew that, but it kind of really got solidified. I think I've also learned that I do depend on others. Mm-hmm. And that kind of plays into the fact that our field is so interdisciplinary and it makes me excited to work as a team 
I know teamwork and group projects are so difficult, but then when you have to do something by yourself, I just find myself being like, oh, like, I wish I could work together with people on this. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was obviously a fine balance in grad school. (laughs) I think especially when you're doing clinics and you are the clinician, I really enjoy like turning to my supervisors, turning to people who have maybe had my client in the past, have done this clinic in the past and saying, what have you done? Um, How did you plan this? Um, Hear me out. Like, is this a good idea? And I think that's been really helpful to me. What has been the biggest challenge of grad school? I think it's just balancing all the work. Grad school is really hard. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I think it's probably the hardest thing I've done in my life. Mm Mm-hmm. In my short life, (laughs) albeit. It's really hard for me. I want to be the person who does everything. I want to be able to, like, do yoga and do art and manage this and have a dog and see my family and my boyfriend and have straight A's. And it's just, it's not going to happen. And it's hard for me to find time to just breathe. Definitely. So what are some of the strategies that you're using and implementing to help you through it? I really rely on having a schedule. So that's part of like, you know, I let myself have a schedule. I try let myself fill it. So but I do yoga and I really love yoga. I think that's just one thing that's really let me get grounded and just focus on myself. And I think that's really important. Like I'm not on my phone. I'm nowhere near my phone, which is hard to do. (laughs) And I'm just moving and I'm breathing and it feels great. Being outside more, I think in the summer now, especially in Colorado, it's been so much easier to do that. Mm -hmm. I've been hiking a ton and I just find myself wanting to be outside, which is, which is a great thing, but you know, we don't exactly have time for it. But when I do have time, I'm I'm outside, I'm moving. Mm -hmm. So what are some pieces of advice that you have for people who are in grad school now or about to start? Yeah. I mean, what I said before, um, find a hobby, but also maybe like something I wish I did was like find a hobby like with your friends like every month you're gonna do some sort of like get together I know some people I've seen a lot of cool ideas of like oh everyone gets together and paints tote bags or Mm. you do like the drink night everyone like makes a cocktail and everyone brings it together like I think that'd be fun that sounds fun dedicate like dedicate time in your schedule to yourself Mm -hmm. okay so what are some of the things that you've been doing on our summer breaks or like our month off breaks to help get yourself a reset? Yeah, so I've been traveling um, and I've been outside a lot. I went to Buena Vista, Colorado, and I did some whitewater rafting. Mm-hmm. I actually did this on a weekend. I've been taking advantage of our weekends. <laughs> um, but during break, I'm being with my partner is what really like helps me relax, especially because he's in law school in Sacramento and I'm here. So being together is what relaxes me for sure. Yeah. You've been working part-time as a full-time student, correct? Yes, correct. On campus. Yes. So what is it that you do? And then how do you balance that with school? Yeah. So I'm very fortunate to have been working at one of the labs in our department. It's Odyssey. It's um, focusing on deaf and hard of hearing children and Colorado and the entire United States. It is a CDC-funded project, and it's run by an amazing research faculty who um, I have known since my very first day of freshman year. So I've been working in this lab since my sophomore year of undergrad. And what I do, (laughs) 
Um, I can make it sound very boring or very fancy. Um, so I score and I um, analyze tests. So that would be like the um, the daisy, the sky high. A lot of these assessments that we give to deaf and hard of hearing children um, to assess their hearing and their speech and language skills. We also do things like transcribe interviews, lots of like little menial jobs like shredding paper and scanning. <laughs> so like that's like part of the job. The benefit of this job has been that I can run upstairs and work for two hours. I don't have to schedule eight hours out of my day to do this. We just, me and like the other research assistants, we just run up. We might work a couple hours where we have time and then we go back to class and it's incredibly flexible and I love it. So this is a question that I think is generalizable to people in any setting or not any setting, but in any school. Mm -hmm. As an RA, do you get credits back for your education or money to your education or do they do you a stipend like how does it work so at least I, at our school oh yeah so um the way it works at our lab is that we get paid um hourly salary still money from the school and the school does not give a lot of money to our department <laughs> we make what we can but no there's no stipend or anything i wish there was <laughs> okay so it's a little bit different than like a TA or a GA. Correct. It's not like a TA where you get money back towards your account. I just get paid hourly wage. Okay. You work in this clinic. Have you been interested in the deaf and hard of hearing populations? Yeah. I mean, it's I there's I don't feel like there's a population I'm not interested in, but I think that's definitely a potential population to work with in the future. Um, since I just have so much experience already, I think I'm finishing my third year at this lab. Wow. That's a long time at a school job. It is. It's just because I feel like those are also in flux, especially as in research. It's not always lasting super long. Mm -hmm. How long has this project been underway? So I think the Odyssey grant has been going for a couple years before it was CHIP. So it just focused on Colorado beforehand. But then we got the CDC grant and it extended to the entire United States. And I think it's ending in one year. Wow. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about life after school. What do you hope to be your setting? I think right now what would be very fun for me would be to work in an outpatient children's hospital setting. Mm. I luckily have a chance to observe a um, an SLP that worked at children's outpatient and I thought it was so fun. It's essentially like what I would be doing at a school but at a children's hospital which is great. Is there a specific population within the kiddos that you want to work with? So within the outpatient setting, I think I'd love to work with medically complex children. Um, just kind of that's what I've had experience with in the camps I've been volunteering at because I've also volunteered at Easter Seals up in Colorado. Very cool. I'm a, I'm a camp girl. <laughs> <laughs> do you like that group setting? I do like summer camp. I do like summer camp because um, the ones I've been to at least, you have your um, camper mm -hmm. that you kind of are more specialized with, but then you, everyone like helps out. It's like family style still. I think I like that. Yeah, I think it's fun. I think once you get to the point that socialization is a skill you want to practice, the group setting is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, but also, I just think finding a community is super important. I've seen what a community can do, especially in the camps I volunteered at with the adults. I mean, the camp is something they look forward to all year. Mm. And like that is their family. And for a lot of these kids um, and a lot of these adults, the camp was their family. It was their closest family yeah. because whatever was at home was not as close as camp. Mm. 
you have started this social media presence for yourself <laughs> to help out other graduate students, but you've also found this love and this passion for art and design. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so I recently, as of May, started an Instagram account called Artsy Speechy. Um, I've always kind of been an artsy person. I really enjoyed art. I took art classes in Italy. And I finally, I think the starting point was I got an iPad, which is so, sounds so silly, but I've been wanting to use the Procreate app to draw for a long time. And I started an Instagram account kind of like documenting my grad series, I guess my grad life. And I also decided I wanted to make merch because I always had these ideas for merch I want to make. Or I, like, I, want, I like making things with my hands. Um, like I know it's very fun to like order other people's stuff, but I want to make it myself. So I kind of started making merch. It has not sold and I'm totally okay with it because it's still the beginning. But I started making stickers, and those do sell, which is fun. <laughs> stickers are the best. Stickers are so fun. So I just kind of make, like, speechy gear, like stickers and shirts and sweatshirts. And I've also kind of been getting into graphic design, I guess, with... <laughs> with the logo With right logos, here. yeah. So um, Christy reached out to me and asked if I could help her redesign her logo. And I was super excited. And we worked together and collaborated. And this is what came out. <laughs> yeah. Um, you did so amazing. Thank you. It was I so love much it. Fun. The best. <laughs> I just like to look at it. <laughs> me too. And I've actually had a couple people reach out to me and ask about creating logos for their Instagram accounts, which is super exciting for me because I feel like my work means something to other people. And I'd love to like help other people better their like businesses, their accounts with art. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So what is your vision and your goal for your platform? I'd love to create like a set of merch that's like very much my style and that kind of like reflects me and my graduate career so far. Just something fun, something that's unique, but also like just with my account in general, I'd love to just find a community build a community. Um, I know grad school is tough. And when you find people that are going through the same thing as you, it can be very helpful. For sure. You're building this community. You're in the trenches of it because it's really <laughs> hard at the beginning. I know that. I know mm -hmm. how hard it is, clearly. But when you started, what advice did you need to get yourself started? Like, I guess for someone who's trying to get mm -hmm. started, on also maybe starting a platform and talking about their journey. What are some of your recommendations? Just like really believing the idea that someone out there wants to hear what you want to say. And I've actually reached out to a couple of like the big accounts like Emily B Speech and like um speaking of semantics, right? Yeah, so all of those accounts and I've been like, do you have any advice? And they're like, just make something that is unique and make something that is so good that people like have to buy it. Like people mm -hmm. like want it. Yeah, so like create a platform, create a like merchandise that is so good that pe like people have no other choice but to get it. <laughs> I thought that was really funny advice. That's great advice. It's mm -hmm. fun. It's mm -hmm. super fun. Are there any things that you're working on right now that you want to tell us about? Oh my goodness. I'm on a hiatus. <laughs> okay. I'm on a hiatus, but I think my next little like series is going to be probably focusing on like bilingual SLPs, SLPAs and grad students. I think that'd be fun to make some like some stickers, some shirts that are focusing on bilingualism. I love that. Yeah, that's really great. And it's going to be unique. I think you could totally make some really cool, like something that says SLP 
in other languages, Mm -hmm. like writing out speech and language on a shirt. Those would be really cute. Yeah, I agree. That's really cool. So what's your process like when you're designing? Like how, what brain space do you like to be in? What does that feel like for you? I definitely have to be in the correct brain space to do it. I think I actually do quite a lot of research. I see what's out there because I don't want to be copying anything. I reach out to my friends and I'm like, hey, what would you want to see on a shirt? Because they're grad students and that kind of helps me gauge what would or wouldn't be cool. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What's in. (laughs) Totally. And then I usually start by sketching. I do have like a... um, inspiration board of things I've found on Etsy and I'm like ooh, like this is a cool idea like I need to this this reminds me of something that I feel like I could do Mm. and then I sketch I draw I redraw I redraw I redraw (laughs) um and then I use a drop shipping I know it's like controversial to drop ship but it's essentially like where I don't hold any merchandise in person it's like so if someone goes and orders it through my Etsy it goes to another company they make it for that person and they ship it mm. which saves me a lot of money because i don't have to create my like i don't have to buy like a hundred shirts and have them like just sitting in my room with inventory definitely yeah but it's been a whole process to figure out how that works but it's been super fun yeah and also like while you're in grad school that makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. like why would you have a hundred shirts sitting in your living room with what money yeah <laughs> and with what living room space oh exactly <laughs> On this journey to start this platform and to do this, what have been your biggest inspirations? Hmm. I think some of the other accounts out there, I would have to look them up because I'm awful with names. But there are, there are some accounts that are just like so unique and that you can tell they like definitely curated a style and they curated like a set of shirts and clipboards and cups and whatever they're selling um I think that really inspires me to kind of make things that are very much my own and not trying to take what someone else has already made and try to copy it Mm -hmm. I think also I I find inspiration from a lot of like the teacher shirts because I think teachers have really fun shirts I find inspiration from those and like the OT and PT shirts (laughs) oh yeah those are so cute yeah so I'm currently sitting across from Katya looking at her shirt, and I'm going to throw a couple things out there. One, <laughs> it looks super soft. <laughs> it is very soft. Which is always the thing that I'm jaded about when I'm buying a shirt online. I'm like, is that a soft shirt? I'm going to have to judge with my best ability through this screen that's also been modified. <laughs> like, mm, is that going to be a soft one? And I can tell you right now, her merch looks soft. It is very soft. I pick soft stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm obviously trying to make something that's the best quality. I'm not trying to, like, cheap anyone out. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also another big goal of mine is just to make the best quality I can. I think if I had all the time and money in the world and, I don't know, was working part-time, I would love to, like, screen print. I think that would be so fun. Oh, yeah. I have no idea how that works. (laughs) No idea. But it sounds so fun and, like, really high quality. You gotta figure it out as you go. Yep. That's what I do this every is still day. The, this is still the beginning for both of us. We're still just starting off. We started around the same time, too, mm-hmm. just figuring things out. Why did you want to start doing this? I think I've always had a little bit of an entrepreneurial spirit. I've <laughs> I had a YouTube channel as a child. I know. I'm Now that I know about this, it is I'm, <laughs> I'm going to find it. <laughs> it is secret. No one can find it. Um, but I've always like, I loved making things with my hands. Um, I've always been crafty and I kind of, I really enjoy sharing that with other people. Like it's, I really enjoy making it for myself. I love making like gifts for my family. I've recently been doing um, some like dog portraits for family and friends, which has been super fun. I've been doing That's the logos. So I know. And the dog ones do bring me joy. So I've been doing that. 
a couple of things before we wrap up. One, do you have any final bits of advice that came to you while we were talking that you want to part on our listeners? Hmm. Don't be afraid to take risks. I think has been the biggest lesson here. You are more, like you are just as capable as everyone else in the room. Mm-hmm. And you have to believe that or else it's going to be really hard to get better. Yeah, a piece of advice I got from one of our clinical faculty was everything that you think is mundane and boring about you might be the thing someone else finds interesting or connects with. Mm-hmm. So you're in a long-distance relationship with your partner. Yes, um, and we're both in kind of like graduate school. He's in law school, and it's tough, but there's also something nice in knowing you're kind of both going through school at the same time. I think it would have been very different and very difficult if we were not both going through school at the same time. You know, we're both just busy enough that no one's getting mad that the other person's so busy. We're both so busy and we both understand. Definitely. I think that having a similar experience happening in the background makes it so much more relatable to one another. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just being able to complain to someone and then being like, yeah, this sucks. Mm -hmm. I totally get it. Mm -hmm. It's really nice to have someone to complain to. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. What advice do you have for people who are in grad school and who are in a long distance relationship? Mm. Yeah, make time for little things. I think we try to like watch movies over FaceTime, which is really nice. Visits are honestly just like they're tough to plan, you know, two schedules, but they're kind of what keep it going. They're kind of what keeps the relationship alive. Oh, yeah. Having that next thing to look forward Mm -hmm. to. Absolutely. And you're in a long distance relationship too, so you get it. Oh yeah. We always have the semester planned of when we'll see each other. Mm-hmm. And it makes it it makes it like that you can look forward to something that's not school. Mm-hmm. And it makes a world of difference. The hardest thing and my experience, and I'm just putting it out there, I think I've said it before. The hardest thing for me is doing the relationship thing in the middle of the semester because every time I visit or every time I see him I panic that I'm going to be behind. Oh, absolutely. There's not enough prep work that you can do to Mm-mm. get ahead. No. Every You'll time I'm behind. trying, to, yes, every time I'm trying to be ahead, and then I come back from a weekend, and I just feel like, what the hell just happened? Yep. But it's so worth it. It is so worth it. <laughs> 100%. What is your go to book, movie, or TV series when you need a mood boost? Okay. Crazy Rich Asians all the way. <laughs> makes me, the wedding scene always makes me cry. <laughs> but it's so good. I think. I'm hoping I, tears of joy. Oh, always tears of joy. The wedding <laughs> scene is so good. I think whenever I'm on an airplane, I watch it. It's, it is always on the airplane. It's always on the airplanes because <laughs> it's so good. Everyone has to watch it. And I think honestly, whatever I can watch with my partner mm. is was a good mood boost. <laughs> so it's it's the company rather than... The- it's the company. We watch over FaceTime, like, sad Aww. long distance people. That's so sweet. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so where can our listeners find you? You can find me at artsy.speechy on Instagram and on Etsy at artsyspeechy as well. And those will both be linked in the show notes below. Katya, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. This has been so fun. This was really great. And I think people are really going to relate to a lot of parts of your journey. And hopefully this conversation inspires people to get out there, try something a little uncomfy, start a podcast, start an Instagram page, talk about your journey, make a bunch of TikToks. Absolutely. (laughs) 
Alrighty, everyone. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you all next week. Thank you all so much for listening to Speeching It Real. You can contact me anytime at speechingitreal at gmail.com. Come to me with any questions you want answered, people you'd like me to interview, or any suggestions. 